0: Dumb fact for you today. Today is Sukkot.
1: Did you say suit coat?
0: No, I did not, but thank you. I do look good in a suit coat. I said Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Booths. This is where the Israelites would set up tents and live in them for seven days to remind themselves of their ancestors living in tents for 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. Sounds like a church plant. It
1: does. Hey, did you know that an echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose, all in one <laughs> space. It's beautiful. It's
0: just beautiful. Do us a favor. Let us know that you're watching. Comment below, message us, or send us a prayer request. Yeah.
1: Hey, and we encourage you to take your first steps into yes. this life-giving local church and find the community and the support you've been hoping for. Mm-hmm. Stop by at Mayo High School, for mm-hmm. one of our services, at 9.15 mm-hmm. and 10.45 mm-hmm. a.m. I know Tom and... Um,
0: who else are we talking about? Jordan? Jordan, sometimes
1: mess that up. So let's get it straight this time, okay? <laughs> we would love to meet you.
0: We would love to meet you. <laughs> Have you signed up for our weekly emails? Get connected and sign up today. Hey,
1: and thank you for your continued willingness to invest your finances in the F.O. Church. Yeah. For the last three years, we've been saving and praying for a permanent home here in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And although the Lord has not made clear, where or what that will be, uh, we yeah. are believing that yes. it's around the corner.
0: Yes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, would you consider a monthly investment into our Here to Stay campaign so we can prepare for the home that awaits us?
1: And the easiest way to give is to head to our website or text any amount to 84321. That's 84321 to further the vision of Echoing Jesus in Rochester and globally.
0: 84321. <laughs> Enjoy Echo Sunday.
2: so many great things in my life and I rejoice in Him daily. In this next song, let's just look back at what God has done in our life and let's rejoice and sing that we believe that God is good. that you've done we love you King Jesus in this next song let's remember that God reigns above it all let's lift up our praise this morning to the Son King Jesus who sits on high the
3: reign of darkness now is in Kingdom of light, in the kingdom of light. Ever under Your me You're the King of my life, the King of my life.
2: Supreme in the Most High, Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning. We just want to worship your name, Father, lift you up, and you are worthy of all of our praise. Let's sing that again. pray that we would be able to hear heaven erupt in song today as we sing in a hallelujah to you the everlasting one jesus and father as i sang that bridge i just imagined it when you walked into the room how the darkness vanished it was running you ain't welcome here darkness father you came out of that grave with confidence and power and we rest on that father today And Father, you are seated. Jesus, you are seated alone in glory, enthroned in our highest praise. Father, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people, Jesus. So, Father, we just know that you're here with us today. We give you space, Lord. We love you, Jesus.
4: Church podcast live. Um, who's been to an Echo Live podcast before? Has anyone been before? All right, a few returning listeners. That's fantastic. Thank you for joining us again. Um, we're gonna hang out a little bit. We're gonna have some conversations with some awesome people in the church that you might recognize.
5: Yes, Pastor Andy and Pastor Christy are guest speaking actually at Echo Life Church down in Florida today. So we, like Cordy said, are very honored that we get to share this stage with these four. And what I was thinking after first service, um, the beautiful thing about an Echo Live podcast that if you have, have any of you seen one before? Did we get some hands? We already did Is that... God spoke in first service, but that doesn't mean he's not going to speak something today in second service to each of you and through these four and their colorful stories that they're going to share with us on how they lead, and we're going to get a little bit of context of how they lead, where they lead, and in that note, we had a few examples. Cordy is a leader in a workroom Workroom. Workroom context.
4: Leader in the workroom.
5: Oh, the mic threw me off. So we sent out a few messages this week This week to some team members that he works with. And the first one was, how do I say this without getting fired?
4: It's good feedback. <laughs> it's got to be good leadership there.
5: The next one was, Cordy, you enable others. Enable others to be successful. A little bit better. And then the last was you lead with enthusiasm and confidence. You, you inspire others to pursue the goals you have set by affirming the confidence you have in the goal and in the employees. That was so, good. Yeah. it that was nice a nice ego of-
4: boost on a Saturday to ask people leadership style. The first one was a bit rough. I'm not sure about that. Um, how do I say this without not getting fired? So we'll have a conversation tomorrow about that.
5: <laughs> without further ado, we're going to start with Debbie here.
6: Um. This is pretty uh, cool being out, out front and having the lights on you. It's um, I I originally had a different message that I felt um, uh, my original message I was going to share today uh, somehow God had a different plan and yesterday morning I woke up and He said no we're gonna we're gonna talk about this um, my. Talking about leadership um, and leadership leadership styles, I think of work-life balance and um, all the influence that we have uh, within our own circle. It could be our families, friends, and coworkers. And uh, just a little bit of what I do. I sell real estate, so the temptation uh, to get off on the work-life balance is just kind of always there. Uh, When my kids were young, it was easier to stay more structured. But now that they've grown and kind of left the nest, um, it's it's a little bit easier to get really achievement driven and to just kind of lose sight of what the real goals are. And I realized that aside from obviously my relationship with God, the next relationship would be the relationship I have with my husband. So being out of sync um, can affect obviously our relationship as well as others uh, for the most part, I feel like I do a pretty good job with my work-life balance and setting boundaries. But I did have a time last year, um, in particular, it was around the fall time, where I kind of hit a wall. Um, and it was a result of working kind of some insane hours. I actually probably worked, I thought it was just a couple weeks straight without a day off. But then my husband reminded me more, it was, it was more like 21 days. I remember it. Um, he was keeping count. Yeah, yeah. he he knew um, because he lives with me, and so uh, I remember calling my daughter Brittany. She's also a therapist, so kind of was a two for oneer. Um, and I just said, I don't understand it. Like, why can't I regulate my emotions today? She's like, her first question: um, When did you last take your day off? And it got awkwardly quiet on the phone. She goes, mom. These really aren't tough questions. <laughs> uh, if you know Brittany, she is a protector. Uh, she's she she really goes after it, and I appreciate that about her. Um, my takeaway, what I learned from this, and where I'm going with my scripture, is um, achievement and overachieving can actually be. It can actually be a, a sin, I guess. And um, the verse that I have here, First Corinthians ten thirteen, uh, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common, and that word st- st- stood out to me when I was choosing this verse. What is common to mankind? And God is faithful; He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so you can endure it. And um, this just sort of resonates with me and I felt like it was important to share um, the value of having balance.
5: Yeah, no, thank you. And we discussed, you know, often leaders or they have a hard time, but knowing their limits and mm-hmm. you have um, a visual that you were going to oh, share with you. us yes. again on just that reminder of, you know, you went 21 days straight
6: and now how do you not do that again? Um, very good. Yes. I, I like to learn from my mistakes. Um, so I used to have, like, little notes um, posted here and there, and I decided to actually frame my um, memory verse for this year as well as a reminder of my daily goals and some weekly goals just to have this reminder in my bathroom so I don't forget and get off, you know, get off into a tangent of getting so tunnel vision on my achievements and think about what the things that are really a matter
5: it's powerful. Thank you for sharing and for um, good family members to hold us accountable. And yeah, that scripture about God is faithful. And often, what is common to men is achievements and goals, but not the rest side. But it's very important. And Jesus definitely um, gave us that example. Mike.
7: Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Berletic. Um, I tend to lead by encouraging other people and serving. And whether it's in the workplace or at home, uh, that's kind of my uh, wheelhouse. Uh, at work, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've had some success, and and other leadership at the dealership thought that I would be good in management, which I think I would be too because I've done it before, and I've done a really good job at it. But when you reach a certain age, because I'm 56, and I look like I'm 46, I know. And, uh, but I feel like I'm 26, yeah. but, and, and I, would have done a, I would have done a great job doing that, but I got to a certain point where I don't want to manage people anymore because it's, really, it's a lot of work, and it's hard, and I'm not afraid to do that. But there comes a time when you just kind of step back and say, okay, um, they see leadership in me, and it's kind of in me um, from a young age, but how do I lead from where I am? As a sales consultant, there's, um, there's 17 of us, and then there's management, too. And so to uh, encourage the people that I work with to... I, I want every, um, every interaction to always be a positive one because it's really easy to go negative when you're in the workplace. I mean, you're, you're there most of your day, or most of your week, you're at work, and sometimes you get to be at home. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> So it's kind of like how do you how do you talk truth into them? And I I just want every interaction to be positive. And so when it's easy to go negative, you know we just kind of make fun of it, but not dwell in it. And and I think that's where people get lost a little bit because it just becomes a downward spiral. So um, talking truth into the people at your coworkers is an important thing, Um, and it can be very simple. And especially right when you meet people in the morning, you know, good morning. How are you? You know, greeting somebody. Uh, Because a lot of times people are walking in with their head down and they're tired and, you know, uh, and they got to face the day. But um, if you do it right away, it gets the day off to to a good start.
4: Yeah, when we were talking um, the other day, we used the terms like leading sideways or leading up. Uh, is is good ways to kind of characterize some of that and kind of what you were sharing. I just think that's so powerful. I, I wrote from the the book uh, Lead or Plan. What's What are we reading? Lead. There we go. That one. Uh, the white one with the circles on it. Uh, I wrote down, it said that uh, a call to leadership following Jesus is a call to a life of willing sacrifice and service. And I think that as leaders is, is critical in our, in our calling and, and what we're led to do. So greeting with a hello and a greeting is such a good thing to do because often um, it's very easy to say, you know, I'm not in management. That's not my job. I don't have to do that. And you can kind of sink the culture of everywhere that you're at. So, how, I mean, how did you develop that, Mike? How did you develop that attitude? Because I think it's very easy to go the opposite
7: way. Well, it- um, my mom would say that it was in you from a very young age, but I think I didn't recognize it in myself until I was in my twenties. And um, and I, you know, we went to church, but we didn't really do church. And um, um, so, uh, when we start, when I started reading the Bible, is when things started changing. And um, and you know, my Bible history of reading was, you know, I started in Genesis, and I got to. Um, or Exodus and by the time I made it to Leviticus I was done reading the Bible so I had to set it aside for a while and then somebody I heard somebody say oh there's this 365 day Bible reading and so you can read it in a year if you read the Bible every day this amount well so I said oh I'll embrace that so two weeks into it I was a week and a half behind so that didn't work either. And and so what I thought I would do is um, I just started reading in the Gospels and reading in the New Testament, and um, every time I would reread things, it changed. And I don't think that was I don't think that was the word changing. I think it was me changing when I was reading it. So
4: I, I love that. That's that's fantastic. A, a call to sacrifice and service is is a difficult one that Jesus calls us to but it's a characteristic that we all need to, to work on. Um, so thank you, that's that's amazing, it's amazing. Danae, should we hop to you?
8: <laughs> I'm Danae DeBolt, um, and my context of leadership is that I am a teacher, so I have the opportunity to lead students, and um, I also am a leader in our home. I have three young kids, so I have the opportunity to lead them as well. Um, and. One of the things about teaching, I work with sixth graders. I teach um, middle school, and it's an adventure. And um, for anybody who knows kids, you know that they um, are not great decision makers. They lack impulse control, and the science behind that is they don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that helps with impulse control. And when you can't control your impulses, you're not great at making decisions. Um, And because of that kids, middle schoolers, they tend to make a lot of bad decisions, and they often will make the same poor decisions over and over and over again, like the same one. And it's like, what are you doing? Why can't you stop doing that? Um, And in that context of being the leader in the classroom, I frequently have to choose to forgive, because if I am holding a grudge over the same thing of um, a kid making the same decision every single day and I'm holding that grudge against them. Now I'm angry with them and I'm giving up that ability to build that relationship with them and I'm um, I'm not able to lead them anymore. I'm not able to teach them because as I'm sure if anybody ever had a teacher that they didn't like, You don't learn much from them. Um, And so it's not all about necessarily likability, but if I'm holding that grudge, then I'm not building that relationship. Um, And that goes in any context, in any relationship, whether you're leading or not. If you're you're attempting to lead someone and you're not forgiving them because you're mad at them, you lose that ability. You lose that gift of um, that relationship to lead them. So um, a really, really extreme example is I had a student come into my room this last school year and I was in the hallway doing hall duty before the bell rang. And I hear a commotion in my classroom. So I kind of step back in there. And I see colored pencils everywhere and a broken pencil box. And I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, I, they told me to do it. And I'm like, they told you to do what? And he says, well, they told me to throw the pencil box. So he had taken an entire box of colored pencils and just chucked it at the wall. So it exploded, it broke, pencils went everywhere. And it would be really easy in that situation to be super mad. Um, but to remember, OK, he's not being malicious. He's not trying to be mean. He literally has no impulse control. And somebody said, hey, you should throw that pencil box. And he's like, cool, that sounds fun, Um, because that's middle schoolers. So um, I have to daily make these choices to forgive these kids, to know they're not being malicious, and um, to just continue to build those relationships, even when it's hard. I'm not perfect at it. I lose my patience. But um, I come back to the verse in the Bible that says, Matthew from Matthew 18, 21 and 22, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And it's like, okay, if we, if you have kids, if you work with kids, you know, we have that many opportunities and more to give that forgiveness, just as we often also need that forgiveness too.
5: Yeah, I love that. And just, as you said, it I had asked you last hour, but like, how do you remind yourselves in those moments, even if you have children or you don't, or, you know, you have the same mom or dad that has been bothering you for years and years over the, it's just to forgive and to go in with a heart of pre-forgiveness is just really admirable. So thank you. And then is there something practical that you do before you go into the classroom every day that you could share with us?
8: Um, So I definitely spend time praying for my students. And even more than praying for my students, I selfishly pray for my own patience. Um, I pray that God softens my heart um, for these kids. And um, I try to live my life by a quote from one of my um, favorite authors. She says that there isn't a single person that you wouldn't love if you didn't know their story. And I try to remember that because these kids, they come into class and I see them. I see them that day. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know if they're coming from, they didn't get to eat breakfast or dinner last night. They didn't get to sleep last night because they were on the floor. They don't have a bed. And um, it's easy to be blind to those things. And those kids, it's not like they're coming in and being like, hey, I didn't get sleep last night because I don't have a bed. Like they come in and they are trying to put up a front and protect themselves and they're in protection mode. And so to remember that I don't know their story, to be praying for them and to know like, These are God's kids, and God loves them, so what gives me the right to be above that and to not love them? So,
5: Thank you for sharing. And, man, how can we, or we can apply that into all areas of our life, that everyone has a story. The four of you have a story. I carry my own story. Those of us in this room, we have a story and a lot of times it's easier to put up that front that I have it all together or I'm just going to be grumpy like you said and walk into work with my head down and frown and be mean but really like how can we look to them with love and see see others as God sees us. Thank you for sharing. Wade.
9: Hi, I'm Wade Beavers. Um, the last one I'm covering is, is restoration and, and a little bit of background. Uh, I spent quite a few years as CEO of a company uh, when I was done uh, I've spent time as an investor and advisor to a variety of companies. I've, you know, 52 years, I've kind of seen it. I'll probably live through a lot of that restoration myself and have made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I mean, even as advisor, I've done, I've had three partners in a company and they don't even get along. They can't even talk to one another. So I've seen the worst of the worst in business. Um, we've probably all experienced sometimes a severed relationship, uh, not only in work, but in life. I mean, you know, you know, family members that don't talk, you know. Uh, parent to sibling, you know, sibling to sibling, um, those are things that really break my heart because I look at it and I realize, you know, restoration uh, is a little bit like, you know, if you've done any restoration on a house or a car. I mean, in a house, you pull back the carpet, you see this original wood floor. It takes a lot of work to get to its original thing, you know, and in an automobile, when rust comes, rust comes from the inside out, you know, so a lot of times in our relationships, that starts from the inside out. It goes long, and it takes a lot, lot, a long time to actually get to that point. And um, you know, from a personal standpoint, uh, I have a, a pretty interesting one to share. And we talked about it in, in the first service. Uh, I had a partner early on, or a business partner that we were working with, and uh, we had had a really good relationship. Business was growing, and then really something happened between us that was unfortunate, and it got so bad that basically at the end there we had to have legal in the room when we're having conversations and and that's when it's you you know it's just not good right um and and at the end there i mean the relationship was severed um but we're still competitors now so over the years you know i've seen him and and you know it gets to that point where you realize you become more cordial. You know, some of those wounds heal. Um, one of the things that I felt like I needed to start doing was was praying for him, uh, which is really hard to do when you're praying for somebody who you might feel is your nemesis or or something of that nature. Uh, my Newman of <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, and and the fact of the matter was, um, it was probably six years in, and I was at an event. Um, and the reality was, he I came up and I just said, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, trying to be kind of cordial. And he says, uh, not good. My wife's got cancer. And, you know, how do you react to that, right? Because you haven't had a relational conversation for a long time. And I felt like the spirit just kind of came on me. And I just said, can I pray with you? Um, You know, and I knew his wife was a believer. I didn't know where he was. Um, And, of course, you know, he said yes. And that was the transformation for me when I talk about if you pray for someone long enough you'll be amazed you'll be praying with them. And I think that was a huge transformation for me as a person. Um, you know, when six months go on and his wife passes, and, but that relationship was restored. And what you realize is restoration sometimes comes back to its original, but it's even better. Better. Um, you know, Job 42.10 says, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And if you read the story of Job, I mean, he lost it all, right? Even his friends turned on him. But it wasn't woes me. The lesson learned was he was praying for his friends at that moment. And I think that, you know, that was transformational for me, even understanding that things can be restored. God restores us all of the time. So what is lost can be found. And I think that's just uh, hugely important. I I was just curious... uh in restoration,
4: in your restoration, you started praying and then it was kind of this unplanned event when you saw him and that, um, you stepped out. Do you wish that you took steps sooner or do you feel like it was like, this is
9: God's time and God's plan? Amen. I wish I would have done it sooner. I mean, it takes a lot of maturity. I mean, we let pride eat us up a lot of times for too long. Um, if you've got a relationship that you feel needs to be restored, go do it, take action. You know, because you don't want to be that story where somebody passes and you say, I didn't have that. Or we see two brothers or, or a parent, because um, that'll eat you alive. And I wish I would have done it sooner. Maybe God prepared me because what I realized during that time was what I disdained about him at the time was something that I had to kind of deal with in myself, that I had those same unfortunate characteristics. So maybe God was working on me through that process. But, um, boy, when, when God calls you to do it, do it. I, I'm always curious.
4: Uh, are you a guy that prays for people in situations like that? Uh, or was this like, there's a few times in like situations oh, like oh, that. Oh, it's praying
9: for me to win, right? Yeah. Like it flipped early on. It was like that. It was like, man, I really wanted to see him not, it not work out. And I think that's hard. But then just, you realize like, man, I, I kind of got to deal with my own stuff. Um, I think through maturity, I gained that. But, you know, when you're a competitive person, you know, you want that edge, and so sometimes you think you're you're doing it for yourself. But I think what I've learned is is praying for that. Um, you know, praying for for people that you know may have done you wrong. Um, you'd be surprised how God works.
5: Yeah, and I like you know in that situation, as uncomfortable as it was, you still maturity or just your willingness to listen to the Lord I think is really does define leaders and good leaders and strong leaders and as Andy and Christy have been going through different traits of who and what a leader is, you know Uh, one of Echo's values is Jesus at the center. And they really do try, you know, they do lead in that of that Jesus was the one that was willing to do uncomfortable things and have uncomfortable conversations. You know, it probably wasn't easy to talk to the kid as he threw pencils across the room to start your day, you know. And I think often it's easier to go and have uncomfortable conversations, but without that love or that understanding of that this person has a story and how can I talk to them gently stepping out and being uncomfortable but looking at them with and in love and I know Cordy's going to give us an example of in leadership of how it's often um, those moments more so than these moments, but our heart today is that we hope that as you've heard their stories, that you would ask yourself of, what is it, God, that I can do that might be a little bit more uncomfortable? What is it that you're saying to me, and how can I lead those around me as I'm playing at the playground, Kaya? Or how can I lead them as I um, am sitting in my car, and I'm going to that next meeting? I think that's really um, just Powerful of that God calls us to be uncomfortable and like you all are saying that it's good for all of us, you know? Like you did not take that time to rest and now you know I can't do it again, you know, for your marriage and for your family and for yourself. And yeah, Cordy's gonna just close us here.
4: Yeah, so what, what I really felt kind of this morning as I was thinking about all these things that we learned um, is don't miss the moment, don't miss the moment because leadership is happening all day. And I guess let's pull it back for context here. So when we think of leadership, often it's, you know, leading from the stage or managing the team. Uh, In my life, uh, I was kind of threw myself into the blender. Is that a phrase? I don't know if that's a phrase. Uh, threw myself into the blender, so to speak, in uh, managing teams and managing people with some, with some companies that I own. So I had to figure this out, and I dove into books and dove into all these things, podcasts to try to figure out how do you run a meeting or how do you manage people? How do you do a performance review? Um, and that was great and necessary, and that's part, that is a part of leadership. But now... Being where I am, kind of looking at that, I see that leadership is much more in the moments of one to one. It's these little things throughout the day where you have an opportunity to lead and you can let them pass you by very, very, very easily. So, are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and have some balance? Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and lead um, like Jesus asks us out of servanthood? Are you willing to be uncomfortable uh, and walk into a situation with pre-forgiveness? Are you willing to be uncomfortable, to be really uncomfortable and restore a relationship? And so we are all leaders. There are these moments taking place and I hope that you remember as you walk out of here is don't miss that moment because it's gonna happen today. It's gonna happen tomorrow. So that is hopefully what ties us all together. Um, some of what we learned, I love everything that you guys shared. Thank you so much for bringing those different aspects to the table. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. But let's head into a time of worship. Um, Catherine, if you can pray for us.
5: Lord, we just um, want to thank you for showing up today for us, for each person that's here in this room, Father, I um, as we, Danae mentioned stories and walking in and seeing certain faces within this room that I know you have answered their prayers. We celebrated Echo of Echo's birthday three of three years of life, so to speak, God. And I've seen those faces, and I know that you have answered prayers. And God, I just wanna say that on behalf of those that are still waiting, that you would show up today, God, that we would remember that you are faithful. Lord, that you will mend broken relationships, whether it's marriages or siblings or parent to child. God, we wanna thank you that you speak and you bring life. And we just ask that you would speak to us today, God, that come tomorrow morning when we wake up, we can say, thank you, God, for showing up in my life yesterday. Thank you for how faithful you are. Lord, we thank you that you've given us tools. We can pray, we can be in relationship with you. You've given us your word that that we can go and recount these stories of Job and as Jesus walked and as he walked with the disciples and as he was uncomfortable, God, would you show us how to lead as you are leading us, Lord? We just want to commit this time of thanking you in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
10: we pursue this, this leadership series, I think one of the things that has just laid really heavy on my heart is the fact that I am incapable of leadership. That it is purely Jesus in me that gives me even the, the slightest hope to be a leader. And so one of the things we do every week is we say a prayer together. And I want to encourage any of you that haven't taken that first step with Jesus, this is an awesome first step. And I want to encourage any of you that feel a little bit like me, which is, it's not me. It's not me. I'm not capable. I'm basically not capable of taking air into my lungs, to be totally honest, without God say-so. But we are all called to be leaders. So what about today being a chance to just surrender to the fact that, Jesus, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. So let's say this prayer together like we do every single week. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again. All with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with somebody today. You know, I was thinking about the idea that Cordy said at the end, which is you're gonna have that moment today. You're gonna have that opportunity to lead today. I was thinking about what, what Debbie said when she's talking about work-life balance. Man, a lot of us have jobs that it'd be real easy to work just all the time. One, there's never enough there's never enough time in the day to get the work done, and some of us get compensated differently if we work more. And how important it is to remember that, we sang earlier today, that rest is our weapon. I thought that was a good thought. Mike Berletic talking about giving up her promotion. I just want you to picture what that was like. Somebody at his, uh, his job's like, hey, Mike, you're doing an awesome job. We really think you should do this bigger, more important job. And Mike's like, nah. Like, just, I guarantee that person looked at him like he had two heads. But he was taking the step towards what God had called him to do. I was thinking about it, Danae. Um, I would have choked the kid who threw the pencil box. Like, let's just be totally honest. You guys were thinking it. I know you were. But I thought it was cool to hear Danae's response. That pre-forgiveness already checked in there. She's already prepared for what these teenagers are going to do in her, in, in her classroom. That's that quote, I looked it up. There isn't a person you wouldn't love if you could read their whole story. Man, makes you feel a little differently about the person who cut you off on the highway, doesn't it? And Wade talking about restoration. When good things are restored, they are twice as good. Man, that'll preach. Don't live with regrets, pursue restoration. I think we had an opportunity today to be really challenged by four people in the church. You know, I want to give you one other thing they don't plan their stuff together. Like they don't work through this and they're like, hey, and then I'm going to say this and then you're going to build on this. But I want to tell you, we've done this podcast thing like six or eight times or whatever it is. And it's always like one person to the next and it builds and it always points to this one theme. And I just think it's so cool the way that God works in our hearts to bring out a message like that. Would you guys celebrate with me for those people that shared today? Willing to be vulnerable in front of everybody, talk about strengths and weaknesses and just put themselves out there. Let's give it up for Cordy and Catherine leading us today. Come on. That's a big deal. And one more group of people, we want to celebrate those that set foot in an echo for the very first time. Let's give it up for those people. We are so glad you came today. You picked an awesome Sunday to be here. Echo Church, we love you so much. We are so incredibly glad you're here, and we can't wait to see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.